Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Hey, yo, Daph, what's going on? What's going on? Nothing much. Just, I guess, preparing for the holidays. Christmas mm-hmm. is coming up so soon, and I, I haven't gone shopping for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone shopping either. I'm trying to see if I, I don't know, me and my family, we haven't, I guess because we've been, everybody's living other places, doing their own thing. We haven't, like, really been together and exchanged gifts the past couple of Christmases. Yeah. So it's been kind of weird, but yeah. What's interesting is that I don't know if it's because we don't have kids or anything like that, but like, I like Christmas, but it's, I don't know. It just doesn't have that same meaning that I had when I was a child. Yeah. Um, In terms of like gifting, like giving and receiving gifts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe that'll change, you know, if I have children in the future. But it's like, I don't really care about receiving any gifts. Yeah, I um, It's just kind of like whatever, because like the. I don't know. Throughout the year, I get what I want and I need, and I just I don't know. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm always it's always tough for people to get me gifts because I usually just when I want something, you know, I get it myself, and and so they never know what it is. But yeah, I feel the same way. It's just like I never be expecting nothing, and then I always find it, especially being older, like I like I don't even know what to get people nowadays. It's so much for like you know brain power I have to put in like what's a good gift for for somebody uh, yes <laughs> yes yes I actually just figured out John's gift and okay. I I know he'll use it. I don't want to say it just in case he's gonna be yeah gift, <laughs> but uh it's a very uh I'll tell you offline and yeah. maybe that'll give you some little uh <laughs> creative juices flowing but yeah I gotta figure good. something out because um, time is ticking time is ticking yeah, this is almost here. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the little holiday break. You know, well, I mean, you know, it's just always good. The semester ends this week. Uh, the day this episode airs will be my last day of the semester. Ooh, for days. a long time. For a long time. For a few months. Uh, like I said, I'm, it's going to be an adjustment, but I'm going to be happy making that adjustment. Uh, <laughs> we got a lot of things in the works for 2020, so I'll, I'll still be busy. Yes. Booked so and busy. Yep. Um, but all right, y'all. So, you know, the way that these these episodes have been going for the holiday season, you know, it's just Daph and I chopping it up. We got a couple of old Lord news stories, and then we got some kind of more, it seems like to be a more pop culture episode today where we got some topics we want to talk about and dive a little deeper in. So uh, we'll get to those in a little bit. But first, I guess we'll start with some old Lord and then hop into the rest. Hello. And welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old lore news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say... Yes, 
Yes. So speaking of gifts, it's package time. Um, People will be expecting all types of Amazon and online deliveries, right? Mm -hmm. So a woman in St. Paul, um, when she got home, she was expecting to find an Amazon package on her porch after she had received a text earlier notifying her that it had been delivered. Instead of a package, she was greeted by a handwritten note from a thief who had taken her package. And listen to what they said in the note. Oh, my goodness. So just a quick little thank you for leaving me the opportunity of stealing your package. Very nice of you. Thank you. Sign the new owner of your package. Mm, Oh, my (laughs) gosh. That's so petty. That is wild. That's petty. Who does that? First of all, you're going to steal my package, but then you're going to like taunt me too about it. Yeah, no, that's messed up. Oh my gosh, man. People getting bold holiday season. I don't know if this is something that'll ever be really fixed, I guess. I don't know. Uh, People stealing packages unless they start putting like trackers on packages or something like that that'll deter folks down the line but yeah holiday season you see more of this but that's a very bold move by that person (laughs) (laughs) and petty uh huh. But the she wasn't gonna report it. But after she posted it online, she had a friend who was a police officer and was like, "You should let us test that uh, note to see if there are any fingerprints." So <laughs> I low key hope it is because that was just petty. Like yeah, you gonna petty. take it? Just, just do it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I got one quick story too. I know you have another one, but this kind of follows up. A little bit on that, but also what we talked about a little last week about how hackers are hacking things. Um, oh, we might have the same story. <laughs> go, oh, go. Yeah, with yeah, the yeah. eight-year-old girl? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you so tell, people, no, tell people about it. Um, so as we talked about last week, how people have to be careful, and we gave the tips. So if you haven't, go check out that episode of how hackers are hacking into, you know, it was about TVs. The FBI issued a warning about how hackers are hacking on TVs with like webcams and stuff like that. And so I know a lot of you know about the ring security cameras that you can put on like your doorbell or you can put little cameras around your house and it'll kind of give this constant feed where you can look at and see what's going on. Well, this past week, hackers hacked an eight year, well, it was a home. They had a few ring cameras around the house, but there was a ring camera in the corner of this eight year old girl's room. And they hacked her camera and was telling her, like kind of like taunting her and then telling her to, uh, you know, destroy the stuff in the house. Like, oh, go ahead and destroy the TV or break this. Go ahead, nobody can do it, have fun. See, the girl was kind of freaked out. Naturally, the mom got freaked out. And it's a very, very scary thing now. You have hackers doing these kind of things. And, you know, you have cameras in your house and they actually can see what is going on. Um, and she was like telling the little girl was trying to run. He was like, I still see you and all this kind of creepy stuff. Yeah. Oh, man. I was like that. That that kind of turned my stomach a little bit when I saw the videos and how because they actually have the videos. If you all look it up online of like you can hear the hacker speaking to the little girl as she's in her room and stuff. Yes. And what's crazy about that is it um i read that it's happened to at least five other families in different states and they've reported that hackers spoke to them through the device and many of the families were taunted with racial slurs to harass their family oh my gosh see this is this is getting wild yo uh, this is why I still don't have like, you know, Echo Dot and all that kind of stuff up yet. And, you know, although the ring thing is good, uh, 
if I were to get it, it'd definitely only be looking outside my house. Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely not in it. Yeah. Um, but so Ring responded to that and was like, unfortunately, people reuse the same username and password on multiple de- multiple devices, which makes it possible for bad actors to gain access to many accounts. They said they'll introduce new security measures, but that's still scary because if it's an impressionable child, like what if that child had actually started doing some of that stuff? Yeah. Like that, like that Momo character. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's it's just scary, man. For a lot of reasons, it feels still like an extreme invasion of privacy. Like people watching you and they're looking at your child, your daughter in the room and then trying to influence her. I mean, it's just scary. Uh, but I think a common thread from the what you just said and from the advice given last week, is definitely passwords seem to be a good thing. And it's funny because I used to make fun of my my father-in-law because he has the most extreme passwords. Like, it's like, you you would just feel like the FBI is just trying to hack into all his stuff. Like, his things are so extreme. I'm like, sheesh, man, 25 character longs, every kind of symbol and, and, and you know, uh, lowercase, uppercase, all this kind of stuff and numbers. Um, but it really works, clearly. Um, the more complex your password is, the more, the, the harder it is for these hackers to get into your stuff. So, mm-hmm. so I'm about to start doing that myself. So this is kind of on the same thing, especially because these people were taunting a child. But I came across a story where a 37-year-old 30, mom, um, through the help of um, like some digital editing and stuff like that, posed as an 11-year-old girl online. Uh, just to see what would happen. So the mom, and I think she worked with a, a, a company because I think they were just trying to figure out what was going on with kids online, uploaded a photo to Instagram of a fictitious, like they use digital stuff to make her look like an 11 year old girl. Um, she posted a picture on Instagram and was just like excited to see my friends this weekend at Carly's party um and you know followed by a string of hashtags and what happened was almost immediately started getting messages from adult men over the course of like 2 hours mm-hmm. uh they range from obscene to kind of minor but what's crazy is like so some of the comments like oh you should be a model the girls like oh I'm not a model uh asking like how and what she's doing for the night um, one man sent a video of him masturbating. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy. Like the, and these men like range in, like from like 19 to 40 something. Um, so not only do kids got to be careful to ring, but like if you are a parent and your child has the internet They have a phone, social media. You actually need to be monitoring this stuff because other people are monitoring it for them. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you got children, you definitely have to uh, monitor this stuff. Put on those children locks, those securities, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I think um, I've even seen uh, kind of an article the other day of 
how they are saying that schools need to begin to teach children about this stuff, like cybersecurity and things along those lines. Yes. Because uh, they can make it very, you know, it just even your own home, things very vulnerable or they're very vulnerable to, to being influenced by this kind of stuff. And I think they should. In this day and age of technology, you should have a course or some time taken out where they're really teaching these kids how to operate around these things. Uh, absolutely, because um, we'll post the link because I I mean, some of this is so vulgar. I don't even want to say it. Yeah, um, I can only uh, imagine. Uh, yeah. Um, asking for like nude pictures and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. I remember speaking on a panel earlier this year to some middle school girls. And it was one of the topics that I discussed with them, like, Look, don't be sending pictures to people like they know how you look, like think carefully about what you're putting out into the world, because if you're not rich, you can't make this stuff disappear off the Internet. Mm -hmm. It's going to be there. Yeah. But also for your own personal safety with trafficking, um, you know, these guys trying to get these young girls to meet them is like, it's just not safe beyond like you maybe being embarrassed 20 years from now. We want you to be here 20 years from now. So please talk to your kids. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That makes me think of um, I, in the, our recent hire, um, uh, Aunt Dr. Anajika. She, her work actually is very timely. So I'll, we'll probably wind up bringing her on maybe sometime in the future. Uh, but she really talks about um, how sex, sexual, looks at technology and sex, uh, social media and sexual assault and how social media is becoming like this extension of sexual assault, uh, especially with teenagers and cybersecurity and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, she really breaks it down. It's really, it was really uh, compelling research. So we'll bring her on because I think that's a good, good angle to take as far as how that looks in today's day and age when it comes to these things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have a little yes, Lord news. Okay. Okay. That's good. Okay. <laughs> so it, it starts a little, uh, kind of sad, but it gets better. Okay. okay. So at 17 years old, a Texas man named Ryan Matthews was accused of killing a man. Uh, two years later, he was sentenced to death. But his family never gave up on him. You know, they fought and they were eventually able to use DNA evidence to exonerate him. Now, what do you think is the first thing a man who was previously, he spent five years on death row. Mm. What do you think the first thing he wanted to do when he was set free? Uh, I have no idea. It could be getting a good meal. Well, well, this guy, he said all of these years ago, when I first came home, a reporter asked me what I wanted to do. And the first thing I said is I want to go to school. And he has followed through on that. And Mm. this past Saturday, he graduated from Texas Women University with a bachelor's degree in applied arts and sciences. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And he even motivated his sister and 70 year old woman to enroll in university. I think they saw like if he can do this, then we can, too. So that's a little feel good story yes love that is i need to get a i need to get us a feel good drop um i gotta figure out which i gotta look at some if y'all have any ideas let me know and and i'll pull it up 
Yeah. Uh, to these kind of stories. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? So I don't know if you remember like Purdue when that summer before my first year in grad school, we okay. did the little egg up thing. Uh-huh. And that was the first time I was introduced to yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I can't who used to who used to say that? Oh, I can't think of his name. I don't remember. <laughs> he uh animal science it was like animal science. I can't remember. I can't but remember. I, but I remember. I think I see his face when you. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't think of his name right now. So yeah, maybe but I'll he find. He got his either PhD or med degree now. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. So I look it up. I look up on yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good one. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll get. I'll find a clip and add it for this episode. It'd be funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we got uh, any any other Lord. Um, just the whole um, UK, they had an election. Did you hear about that? I heard and, about it, but I wasn't, I didn't read up on it. What happened there? Okay, so Boris Johnson's Conservative Party won a huge majority in Parliament. And remember, he's like the whole Brexit person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and people have just kind of, I think it's made people sad because I think people thought the election was going to go in a different direction with like the Labour Party and stuff like that. And people are trying to extrapolate to say like, okay, well, what does this mean for the election of Trump? Because globally, it looks like we're in an era of just conservatism Mm. and that that uh, won't be letting up anytime soon. Yeah. And that's what it looks like. So I feel like I know for me when I heard that, I'm like, okay, we might have to for real, for real, get prepared for the idea that Trump could be reelected. And it's it might just be because we are in a in a political moment. So you think about like historically or you think 50 years from now, 100 years from now, Mm -hmm. when people are reading history books, this will be a period. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's what people have been saying. I, I think I've saw those are kind of the, the headlines. I've saw people saying like this can be a prediction of the 2020 election for us. And I've saw like other liberals saying like, well, you know, um, the, the dude in the UK is nowhere near a Trump. It's not as extreme as Trump, you know, and people are it's not an equal comparison. But I, but I think, you know, uh, you know, the liberal side, we can't be just like brushing that under the rug like that. You know, I think it's a, a real consideration. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I don't know, because I don't the the, I, the weird thing about it is that although it's like a, we are in this era of conservatives, conservatism, I think that it doesn't. A lot of the things and stuff I see in, I guess, popular culture is not that. So it's just weird. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. But it's so it's kind of like because I now see a lot of entertainment as distraction. It's kind of like we are distracted by all of these things. But the people like it's power and entertainment. And it's kind of like our entertainment is getting way more liberal, which we'll discuss that later. Mm-hmm. Our entertainment is getting way more liberal. But like for the people who, hell, they probably don't even watch TV. Uh, <laughs> all they're concerned about is power mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. how to conserve that. I mean, that's yeah. essentially what, that's what our conservatism means is like conserving power for a particular demographic that has yeah. historically had it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. We got to keep our eye on this. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think we kind of have to somewhat begin to look at this seriously uh, of preparing ourselves for a Trump re-election because, I don't know, and, you know, the debates will come up um, this week, right, with the 19th, I think, um, uh-huh, somewhere around there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I don't know. I just feel like... Just do we have a really, really just strong candidate coming out of the Democratic Party that's just like I can say confidently that they will, you know, uh, take down Trump. And I don't know if I can say that at this moment. Yeah. Well, you know, there Well, one. I have two things. Uh First, uh, I just there's questions in the air of like will people be vote blue no matter who? Like it it was an old article that just popped up on my timeline. It was from like April. And, you know, there were people that were like, if this person is a nominee, I'm not voting or I'll vote for Trump. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's one of the issues that could potentially contribute to a Trump Mm reelection. But two, the GOP just not going to play fairly. Uh, Like, for instance, in Wisconsin, um, there was a whole lawsuit because the Wisconsin Elections Commission wanted to purge more than 200,000 voters from the Wisconsin rolls. But 55% of those letters, like they sent letters to people, 55% of them went to areas where Hillary Clinton beat Trump. Mm. And in general, she Trump only won by 23,000 votes. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of like our margins are getting smaller. Yeah. And you see in all of these states, these just weird like voter disenfranchisement efforts going on that will keep the margins in Trump's favor. Yeah. Oh man, yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I feel like you're, you're the GOP uh, over these past few years. It has been more and more apparent that they are very slick when it comes to, you know, doing things uh, behind closed doors in a way, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> that don't make a lot of headlines. And like you said, I mean, yeah, we see that 55 percent of those letters were sent to those places where Hillary run, but they're already sent there. The damage is already done by the time we find out, you know. And it's mm-hmm. like ah. Yeah, uh, it, it's tricky, man. Uh, I feel like, yeah, um, I don't know. Do you feel like the liberals should begin to play similarly, right? Because <laughs> it's like, if if it's like on oh, this instance of you keep trying to play fair, but the other team is not, and they are being more persuasive because of what they're doing, should the liberals adopt some of these tactics as well? So I've always felt like liberals need to start playing the game because it's like, I don't know. So there's like a moral issue. And I think the liberals, mm-hmm. especially there's been more push toward having these litmus tests about like, are you this type of politician? Are you this? So honestly, it will be difficult to win votes from more liberal or progressive voters who expect their politicians to be. I mean, if not 100% above reproach, like up there. They yeah. they want you to be fairly clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will throw our politicians out. Like, you know, I think it, I can't, oh, I can't remember his name. 
but he had taken a photo uh, while like a, I think it was a military woman. She was asleep and he had like just taken this photo where it looked, he didn't touch her, but he was like motioning like, oh, I'm grabbing her boobs yeah. type thing. And I think he was, people liked him, but when he did that, we were like, no, you need to leave. That was so inappropriate. <laughs> and this is at the same time that Trump was talking about grabbing people by the you know what. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it, although the GOP is supposed to be the moral party, the family party, the religious party, they just be like, oh, that don't matter if we getting what we want politically. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this. Uh, I guess what you're it sounds like what even with the, yeah, the more progressives, it's like this. We have a higher amount of intolerance than <laughs> than uh, conservatives do. And conservatives may intolerate some liberal things, but they will tolerate more of their own. Yeah. Know? Well, we will not. We will not tolerate uh, uh, conservatives and then we won't tolerate our own as well. <laughs> it's just like ain't nobody can make no mistakes or do nothing, you know, too much where we're ready. Like you said, we'll, once we throw ourselves, throw our own away, then it makes it way easier for conservatives to hop on that where. Yeah, looking at these conservative politicians, they can do a lot and still have a lot of support. Um, it is still very hard to get them out of office or get them, you know, um, to lose a race, even when they've been accused or even guilty of some extreme yeah. things. So, yeah, it was Al Franken. Okay. Al Franken. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, we so but in terms of when it comes to procedural things like in the legislature, I would like to see them get a little bit tougher, you know, yeah. meet fire with fire, but I don't necessarily yeah. want them to be more immoral, but it's just kind of like, they know those like Republicans. The they loopholes. Know. Yeah. 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 Like, the loopholes. That's the time advantages. <laughs> Cook is fixed. <laughs> Shoot. Yeah. I'm uh, definitely down with playing some of those games. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we need it. And I think, I think, and I think it's not immoral to, to do it, to find the loopholes. Uh, Cause we all do it in various ways in, in our life. Anyway, when you see something that kind of works to your advantage and it's not, you know, nothing immoral, but it, it helps you out a little bit. You're mm-hmm. going to use it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Okay. All right. So this next one is kind of on the cusp of like entertainment, but also politics. Mm-hmm. Um, did you watch the Breakfast Club interview um, with Tom Stair, the billionaire no, uh, for a president? Well, well, like for the last three episodes, we've talked about somebody's um, HBCU plan. But to yeah. begin, so he was on a breakfast club and Charlemagne uh, brought up the topic of reparations and Stayer said, I think it has to happen. There is no way that we can do reparations without talking about truth first. We have to do a national commission talking about what happened over the last 14 up last 400 years and he talked about how there are just so many people who you know don't know the history um who are just you know kind of uh blind to it so doesn't seem like he's against h i meant uh reparations yes yeah, it's, it's uh no it's um what is it called i don't know it's 
the whole thing about just let's talk about it, let's talk about it. like no we know what happened like I don't, <laughs> we don't need to talk about it no more if you don't know uh what happened these past 400 years we're not gonna take another 400 years for you to catch up you know what i mean like it, it is what it is it's fact we know what happened we know the damage that has occurred because of it and uh how black folks have just been systemically excluded from just about everything uh so i think it's just a a nice way of just what what even what MLK used to uh, accuse of white liberals back in the day of just um, telling us to wait. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, okay, it's on the table. Let's just take our time with it and let's be patient. MLK was like, nah, we don't have time to be patient. You know, people out here dying, people out here doing all this other kind of stuff. Um, so I feel like it's that same approach, just sounds a little differently. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just talk about it. You know, let's see where it goes. Like, no, nah, we're tired of talking. We want some action. And so I think that that's the biggest thing we need to pay attention to when it comes to these politicians about reparations. Who's talking about immediate action and who's just saying, oh, let's just talk about it more because it's just delay- delaying it. That's all. Yeah. Um, and he also has an $125 billion HBCU investment plan. I think that's the largest amount. I'm like, uh, <laughs> yes. The other ones were like 100 billion. So he tried to go up another 25 billion. 125. <laughs> so uh, the money would be distributed over a 10 year period. $35 billion would be spent in the first year to deal with infrastructure needs. And then 10 billion a year after that. Uh, he would create a HBCU board of regents, which would allow for independent decision making without putting federal dollars at risk. Um, he would establish HBU centers for innovation with the goal of training students in a number of fields, including science and technology, business and healthcare. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, 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 that's pretty much it. So pretty much same as other ones, uh, just extra twenty five bill. Yeah, <laughs> they love those innovation centers. <laughs> they Them do STEM centers. Ah man, um, yeah, you know, uh, me and Dav kind of talked about this off air, and uh, you know, I feel that the HBCU approach is good; it's needed. Uh, but folks, we cannot be duped here. Uh, it, it is not the only thing. Uh, there's much more that is needed to help the black community than helping um, students in HBCUs. Yeah. Uh, HBCUs, as the data already shows, realistically, they already do very well at producing black, you know, professionals or black intelligence, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? As far as lawyers and doctors, all that kind of stuff. Um, And so, yes, this will enhance that. But I think uh, these billions of dollars, me personally, I would prefer if they went elsewhere. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, $125 billion to creating jobs, to making uh, better access to uh, schools and paying teachers and resources for the children in certain communities. I think that will have much greater impact, right? Um, but uh, for to me, uh, I feel like it's because all these politicians are going here. It feels like the safest approach. And because all of them are doing it, it kind of raises just a little bit of red flags. Like, all right, what's the real deal here? Um, yeah. And allow them to say HBCU, be say black in other words and, and not really address other black issues. <laughs> and that's what I feel like. And, you know, I said this to Ty, it almost seems like a dog whistle to black people. If I say HBCU, then it'll make it seem like I care and I'm down. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. We got to push past this because all the candidates are essentially releasing the exact same plans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny that there's so much division on like 
who people would vote for when everybody's saying the exact same damn thing. Yeah, when you look at these plans, it is really a lot of similarities, a lot more overlap than differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and so I think, yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to say the least. I don't know. I don't know where to go from here, but this whole HBCU thing, I'm not, I'm not going to be all the way bought in just because you throw that keyword out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Good, good point. All right. What else we got on the docket? Um, I don't know if you have any more allure news, but we can just generally move to entertainment because there's been a lot going on there. Yeah, it's been a lot going on. Let's see. Where we want to start at? Um, hmm. I guess I'll start with one uh, thing of uh, kind of has been making headlines, and this is uh, something we've talked about on the podcast before uh, about Oprah. Um, and mm. the patterns we've been noticing as far as who she targets with some of these documentaries, most of the time seeming to be uh, black men, especially around things dealing with, you know, sexual assault and stuff. Um, and, you know, Oprah has, you know, been very open about her past history of sexual assault. So this seems to be very something near and dear to her heart and why she focuses on this. But like we said, you know, um, sexual assault by men in particular come in all from through all races. Uh, but most of the content where she's been featuring has been black men. And so this past week, 50 Cent wrote a post addressing the same thing, because for those of you who don't know, Oprah is executive producing a documentary that is focusing on, I think, three or one to, I think it's three of the accusers of uh, Russell Simmons um, with his uh, sexual assault accusations mm. as well. And so 50 Cent pretty much said, uh, I don't understand why Oprah is going after black men. No Harvey Weinstein, no Epstein, just Michael Jackson and Russell Simmons. And then he talked about how even Gail went after R. Kelly. Um, and so it's been making a lot of, you know, headlines about this. And so, uh, you know, again, uh, I think this is a point that we've said uh, before, and I see where uh, 50 is saying, and now it's definitely he, because he's way more famous than us, it definitely brought it to uh, a larger audience, and now it's a bigger discussion. Um, Oprah hasn't said anything yet, um, but how you feel about this, Dev, about 50 sentiments? Um, so it's, it's two things. It's like, one, as a Black woman, you know, you're probably going to focus on Black... Okay, so... If this were a black woman that wasn't Oprah, mm-hmm. I'll put it right there. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, what do black people care about? For the most part, I don't feel like they care about a Harvey Weinstein if they even know who he is. Like I, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna lie, I didn't really know him like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, like I didn't know what he was involved in until those headlines were made. Mm-hmm. I feel like black people are interested in black gossip. So if yeah. Oprah wasn't so embedded in both black and white worlds, I would just be like, okay, yeah, like that's just what black people interested in any damn way. Mm-hmm. Um, but from what I've read in the past, Oprah had. A relationship with Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. and I don't know if she ever called him out. Mm. Do you know if she did? No, I'm not sure. I haven't heard anything, at least recently, about that. Um, so I feel like it's one of those things where I don't feel like dirt should be swept under the rug in the black community. But if you are embedded in both worlds. 
if you regularly comment on both worlds, then do it equally. Mm-hmm. But if you're only embedded in the black community and you only focus on black stuff, then I, I wouldn't give it the side eye. But um, yeah, that's just kind of how I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Again, um, and it's even similarly to when we uh, talked about uh, when they see us and her original interviews with the Central Park jogger. And, and she in the interview was like, oh, these dudes are guilty. You know, I'm sure that's a sentiment at the time as well. But she was like really getting on a jogger. Like, how can you not be upset? Like what they did to you and they're guilty. And it's that and the third and they come out and they not even readdress her past, uh, you know, influence in their cases. Right. Uh, and I don't know. It's just like she caters to both. And I think this is what 50 is saying, and this is kind of what I'm feeling. I feel like there should be a in, someone like Oprah, there should be more of a balance to the force. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. Uh, you, yes, you can do things that the black audience will like. Yeah, okay, Michael Jackson, sure. Okay, Russell Simmons, whatever, R. Kelly. But yes, you also have a massive white audience. And yes. they would just be interested in Harvey Weinstein and these other folks where you can executive produce those as well. Um, so yeah, I think uh it doesn't it doesn't sit too well with most folks and i think i want to see if she's going to respond to this yeah and so actually so seal in 2018 actually called out oprah about knowing about harvey weinstein's predatory behavior towards women for decades and doing nothing about it. Mm -hmm. He said specifically, oh, I forgot. That's right. You heard the rumors, but you had no idea he was actually seriously assaulting young starry-eyed actress who in turn had no idea what they were getting into. My bad. Uh, When you have been a part of the problem for decades, but suddenly they all think you are the solution. And, you know, that's what he's saying. Um, And I think he posted a meme with Winfrey kissing Weinstein's cheek. Mm. So, yeah, it's kind of like if it was a different person, I would be like, okay, I understand because you want to talk about black stuff anyway. But Oprah is definitely a crossover person. So she should be covering knees in a crossed over manner mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes uh and russell simmons did write um a letter to uh open letter to oprah on his instagram page if y'all want to check it out but essentially in the letter he just talks about how he's always admired oprah and how she's always been the shining light to his family and his community um and they worked on a book together the power of now and all this kind of great stuff and he goes in to say, you know, how he's kind of disappointed in what she's doing because, you know, he said he's already openly admitted to his past transgressions as far as really just saying being a playboy uh, and being a womanizer and just kind of sleeping around and and, uh, and not, you know, being the most upstanding man, as you will. But he says he's never, you know, abused anybody, never did anything violent and any of those lines. But he, you know, has admitted that he hasn't been like the best person when it comes to being relationships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he saw he said he also because his daughters were very um I guess they're not sure if they were able to believe him and it caused distrust in his own family. He said he also took he took nine lie detector tests. Uh to prove to his daughters, you know, he didn't make it public or anything like that. But he said he took nine law detectives has to prove to his daughters that he wasn't lying. And all of them came out true as far as, you know, uh, what he passed all of them. 
Um, and so he he finds that, you know, Oprah going out and choosing three, hand choosing three accusers. Uh, he says, you know, nothing has been proven. This stuff happened like 40 years ago. Um, so it's even impossible to get anybody to remember what exactly happened 40 years ago, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so he's just kind of going out there saying that, you know, he is guilty of, he says, in closing, I am guilty of exploiting, supporting, and making the soundtrack for a grossly unequal society, but I've never been violent or forced myself on anyone. Still, I am here to help support a necessary shift in power and consciousness, and let us get to work on uplifting humanity and put this moment in old narrative behind us. Um, so it was a decent letter, but, you know, overall just saying, like, hey, I admit it. I did this. I don't know why you're bringing this back up, Oprah. <laughs> like. <laughs> Yeah. We moved past it because I remember he even when this happened, he even stepped down and like removed himself from companies and was just like he doesn't want this image to taint anything and handle stuff behind closed doors. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what comes of it. I'm really interested to see if Oprah says uh, anything in, in response. Yeah, I think this also leads for me these tensions of and it, this kind of even goes back to like some presidential candidates like you know how elizabeth warren used to be a republican how joe biden said some weird well he said some weird shit now too but he said some things <laughs> like 40 years ago when times were different and it doesn't make it right where we even where we were 10 years ago related to consent sexual assault etc was very mm -hmm. different and it even the way women thought about it back then was it was like a lot of things we took for granted. Oh, this is just what happens. This is just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, we're not in that time anymore. I just want to know, how should we judge men who maybe haven't done like sexual assault, but weren't the most respectful, weren't um, did things that they wouldn't want done to their daughter, but maybe it was an assault. You get what I'm saying? Like, how do we judge that when from a cultural perspective, it was widely kind of like, this is just the way things are mm -hmm. versus now we're in a different time. Like, do we judge past standards based on where we are now? Do we yeah. look for somebody to show remorse or do we cancel? Like what, how, yeah. What what do we do? And I, I can't say I've resolved that for myself, but I think that's a conversation that we have to have about there are things that used to happen from a racial perspective, from like, you know, gender dynamics and um, sexist type things that wouldn't fly now, don't fly now. But does it matter if people have changed? Does it matter if people are remorseful? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think there's no easy answer to this, but I think there are some things that to me, I try to understand, um, provide some leniency in some cases, like, yeah, the time period matters. Um, but I think there are also things that are just egregious no matter what time period you're in. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. like, yeah, sexual assault, rape, whatever it is, violence, like that's inexcusable, right? And that's yeah, always yeah. wrong. But there are some, like, I think you're talking about some of those social things that are, that change over time, right? There are things that, you know, back in the day when it was the tra traditional gender roles were very, very, you know, me, man, you, woman, you do this. And, you know, so that was the social time of the day. And so, yes, if somebody was acting like that today, well, that's different, right? But hey, if I was raised in the 50s or whatever, then it's like, okay, that was understandable. Even conversations about the music in the 90s and 
how they were talking about women and how they were approaching women in, in bars and clubs and that kind of stuff, right? It was the way of the land then. Um, mm-hmm. So if somebody was accused of like, yeah, I was a, it was 1995 on this club and, you know, so-and-so came up to me and, you know, he said this and he, he came at me this way. Well, that was a time. It wasn't right. No. But if somebody was doing that in 2019, it's a different story. Right. Uh, so I think there is I think we can we have to just provide perspective uh, and also be willing to say, you know what, even though that wasn't right. As long as you show remorse and you know that was, you know, that's wrong, you're not doing that anymore, then I think we should be able to look past some things. Um, yeah. But in some cases, like Russell Simmons, we don't even know all the details of what happened. And maybe this is why Oprah's doing it to, I guess, get their side of the story out because, you know, we pretty much only heard what he's been saying. So getting them out there, we can hear what they are saying, uh, which is probably Oprah's intent um, and not really an attack. Even the producers of the show said, you know, this isn't a focus at all on Russell Simmons, but just getting their side of the story out, which, of course, is going to have Russell Simmons in it. Uh, but, you know, maybe there were some things that we can be, have better judge of what he did by hearing their side. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, we, we don't know. Like you yeah. said, I, I'm with you. Like, it's no easy answer. No easy one size fits all. But I think, you know, I think we can have a good set of discernment and judgment with some of these cases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking of judgments, uh, there was a lot going on over the last couple of weeks related to Lizzo. Mm-hmm. Did you see the video? Yeah, I saw, I saw the video. <laughs> it was on social media. My goodness. So it ended up spurring like a lot of think pieces uh, where it's kind of the debate, you know, are people body shaming her, fat shaming her? Are we playing respectability politics or was that just ratchet? Yeah. And or and was it just an ugly outfit? But I mean, because <laughs> that, that's my thought, like beyond the twerking, like, OK. But I, I want to hear your opinion first. Like, um, is so, it body shame and respectability politics or was that just ratchet and uh, deserved a little judgment? Yeah, I think this is a case where there's a lot of overlap. Right. I think we're, where a lot of lines are blurred. Um, and I, I me, I honestly feel that does Lizzo deal with body shaming 100 percent? But does every instance where people don't like what she does is body shaming? No. And I think this was a, a situation where it was not about body shaming. It was just about being inappropriate in, in a way. Yeah. Um, I think even people could say, oh, you know, the robot, oh, if Rihanna did it or Beyonce did it. Like, no, Rihanna and Beyonce never did that. And they, and they probably would never <laughs> do that. Right. It's the thing about having taste and a little bit of class in certain situations. Like, yeah, if you're performing, fine. If you're on your Instagram, fine. If you're at a, a award show, you're trying to get attention, fine. But you are at a basketball game, which is always, they're always meant to be family oriented kind of events. Um, and so that's like you po- popping up at a carnival or at an amusement park with your booty all out. Right. Uh, and then people would find that inappropriate no matter what size you are. And so I think to me, this is just one of those situations uh, and not really dealing with the body shame thing. You know, mm-hmm. that's just how I feel about it. And also, I don't know how you have your, your bare booty cheeks on them seats. That's also something. Yeah. <laughs> 
for me, I got into some debates online because, yeah, people were just like, if it was Beyonce or Rihanna, kind of like you said. And I was just like, well, one example that we have that most closely resembles this was Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. When uh, Justin Timberlake removed that and she had like the little boob thing. Janet yeah. was thin. People went in on her. I don't even feel like she's even fully recovered (laughs) from that. (laughs) It's just certain things people just don't like. And so it's just kind of like the one example that I do have of a skinny woman doing something similar to that. And she her boob wasn't even gyrating when it happened. She was dragged. Mm -hmm. Dragged. Completely Mm -hmm. dragged. So for me, it's kind of equal. Second, the greatest, I won't say, I don't know if he's the greatest of all time, but the great prince yeah. wore booty out pants. Mm-hmm. I I was a child, but I remember uh, in Living Color skits, I remember people going in on him because one, it was just silly. Yeah. Why would you wear an outfit with your ass cheeks yeah, cut out? The Uh, same thing. Azalea Banks showed up. It was a couple years ago, showed up to some event and had this weird outfit with her booty cheeks out. mm -hmm. People dragged her like it was just not a good outfit. People have dragged skinny people. They have dragged men. They you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, everybody has been dragged showing up looking like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of like I feel like. I don't know. Like, I felt like it was attention. See, I think Lizzo likes attention. She's an entertainer. So clearly she does. You wanted that attention. You're just mad that it wasn't the response you wanted. Mm -hmm. People and some people did praise it. But it's like when you put yourself out there like that, like you can't control people's reactions and you wanted one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you did that because you, I mean, you didn't want the attention, right? Uh, Yeah. That was unintentionally. Um, And so I think, I think the confusion is that probably some of the blowback has been like fat shaming, right? Uh, Yeah. People on her comments and stuff like that, uh, which kind of makes it seem like, oh, but she, I'm sure she gets that all the time. So I think this is why people are are making the overlap seem like that's the reason why, but. You know, I, I just when Lizzo has performed, she performed playing the flute just in some lingerie. Right. Yeah. And nobody care. Like it was yeah. like, oh, my God, what is she doing? Like, yo, your performance, that's what you want to wear. Kudos to you. But, yeah, I felt a little uneasy. I'm like, yeah, this is a Blakers game. Like, what is this about? Um, and so I don't know. I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting conversation, but I do think there still are levels of social etiquette and appropriateness, uh, yeah. no matter no matter who you are. And you know, family oriented type events, that's yeah. that's that kind of blowback is gonna happen no matter what. Like you like you said, like with Jack Jackson at a Super Bowl, a family oriented event, everybody's coming together, watching this game. Uh and you know, that happened. That's not what people want to see, that kind of sexual activity yeah. in those spaces. And I've seen like her Instagram photos. Sometimes she's nude, sometimes she's in lingerie. And I'm like, that's cool. Like that doesn't bother me at all. I'm pretty sure it, it bothers the people who are doing it just for the sake of like fat shaming. But mm-hmm. I feel like even when you have people where I look at, you know, Lizzo's stuff and I'd be like, oh, that's cute. Or, oh, that's whatever. For this one, I'm just like, mm-hmm. nah, sis, I'm sorry. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's another thing too. I think we just got to be realistic here. It's like just because uh, you're doing something for a cause or to raise a tip doesn't mean that it's always going to be that we always got to like it. You know what I mean? Like no matter who does it, some outfits, like you said, could just be an ugly outfit, right? And that's just my opinion. I just didn't like the outfit, not because you're big and not because you're Lizzo, whatever it is. Um, it's just it just is what it is. I think sometimes we just have this thing where people are meaning well or trying to change a narrative that everything should be enjoyed, right? Yeah. I think, that's just, <laughs> I think that doesn't, as consumers and people, that just not, just not always going to happen. Yeah. Um, you can't always be upset when everybody is not okay with, yeah. you know, a form of art or whatever you're trying to do. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess following that uh, kind of topic, um, I also on social media, there was a lot of this past week of <laughs> uh, TLC. You know, they have a lot of kind of shows um, and they have a new show coming out soon uh, called Hot and Heavy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this show is pretty much, you know, men that are in shape dating um, obese women. Uh, and it's, it's got a lot of headlines for a lot of reasons. One, again, some people are just like, whoa, this is crazy. This is ridiculous. What kind of show is this? Because, you know, it catches your attention. But a lot of people also, uh, feminists have been coming out talking about how this is like uh, fetishizing, you know, like a fetish in a way. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of glorifying it on this show, um, especially with larger women and then smaller men. Mm-hmm. And because, and I think this is a very true point. I mean, the total title of the show is high and heavy, but they don't have it the opposite way, right? Of any uh, obese men and in shape women um, together, and so I'm like, oh, so they're really going in with the fetish, the fetish, fetishization yeah. of uh, what's going on here. Um, so I don't know. Um, I, I and and it shows like a lot of the that the social elements they go through as a couple and the stares and the conversations and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I find it interesting, but I found the debate even a little bit more interesting on social media as far as what was happening around the show. It's just fun. They, they calling the guys hot though. <laughs> yeah, that's the, <laughs> also an issue. <laughs> yeah. Hot and heavy. I, yeah. I don't, yeah. I just, I think it's weird to fetishize anybody because they're, it is a thing. There's like some guys have foot fetishes and mm-hmm. like it is a thing where sometimes they I won't call them hot, but very in shape guys um, don't go for a partner that is at the same fitness level yeah. as them. Um, but from everything I know, I've heard about it is a fetish. Mm-hmm. And I, think that's good like i i would not support a show that's like ebony and ivory where (laughs) like black a black person or a white person is fetishizing you know somebody of the other race because they like to date them which that does happen too so i just i think it's a little weird but i mean they they adults everybody won't fang yeah so like they they also grown people so yeah 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 they grown i mean (laughs) Uh, I never feel I never feel bad for anybody that puts themselves on TV. You know, I just like you choose to make you chose to make this and put your life out there and all that kind of stuff. And especially when you're grown, that's just what you do. Um, so, so that yeah. means you ain't gonna. So that means you gonna judge me when I get on Married to Medicine. <laughs> oh my god, I ain't gonna judge you. But if some funny stuff happens, I'll definitely be laughing. They got they, they they do have an open like casting call out for Atlanta. I, oh I wouldn't I wouldn't do I like, it. But... I'm about to say, Dab, you do not seem like you want to be on anybody TV. For nah, real. I, I <laughs> wouldn't. Like that. 
But the the creator of the show is from Chattanooga, though, and oh. she she is the cousin of my sister in law. So I really could like like reach out to. Her. I mean, we're facing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I Facebook messaged her before about something. She she actually responds. Oh, she's so. responsive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, if I could, but nah, child, I'm trying to have a real career. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you did get on, that'll definitely uh, help out BHD. I know. <laughs> it, it would be like, if I didn't want an academic career, Yeah, that could that could be cool. Yeah. But I was like, I ain't trying to move to Atlanta. I done lived there before. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they based that, too. That's yeah. funny. Married to Medicine. Yeah, that show is too funny, man. I it is. <laughs> All right. Um, all right. So you want to? Uh, we we haven't talked about this. It's been a couple of weeks since it's been out. Um, but you want to talk about Queen and Slim? Yes. And the takeaways on that. Um. So of course you mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that you was gonna go see it, and we kind of talked about like the issues with the script and the casting call. And I had told myself like I'm like I ain't gonna go see that movie. <laughs> it's after the problematic things but you know I went home and I love spending time with my bestie and she was like oh you want to go see Queen and Slim I didn't even protest I'm like okay girl let's go <laughs> uh, so we went to see it and I was just like hmm it left me with a lot of questions uh-huh. like one thing I was wondering like one I, I really did like the cinematography. I thought they did a good job of just shooting such melanated characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the soundtrack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you want to reflect on some things you like before I go into some things that puzzle. <laughs> um, all right. So I think um, overall, uh, you know, I saw the film. And um, I think that I thought I was, I don't, I th- I'm trying to think, I think I went in with a little bit different set of expectations for it. Um, as far as, I guess, the the tempo of the film um, mm-hmm. and what I thought was going to kind of be like. Uh, uh, but I, like you said, I definitely enjoy the characters. Uh, I definitely enjoy the journey. I like, you know, kind of this, kind of contemporary look of the Underground Railroad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I, I appreciate and the different, you know, how we always say black, peop- black people are not monolithic. And so you see the variations of characters and mm-hmm. positions mm-hmm. in through uh, each, you know, part of where they're at and kind of adding nuance to each character as well. And so I think they really did a really, really excellent job at that. So that's one of my bigger, like, takeaways of just showing, like, for anybody that watches this film, it's like you get to see you know, the different forms of blackness instead of just like the stereotypical types we see in every movie with black folks in it for the most part. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially with the like, uh, I don't agree with what you did. Yeah. But, and I, there, you know, yeah. Um, and I, I guess I hadn't thought about like that, like underground, underground railroad type connection. Mm-hmm. I guess I hadn't thought about that. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Mm hmm. One thing I was wondering is, say this happened in real life and yeah. these people have been, you know, you've seen their photos on the news. If you was at a club or you was like walking down the street, do you realistically think you would recognize them? Would I have recognized them? Uh, I don't know. I guess it depends on how they look. I would probably say probably not. 
<laughs> would be my guess. Probably not. Yeah, if I was just like out, because one, it just that I wouldn't even be expecting them <laughs> yeah. to be at like a bar or just like, you know, wherever. Um, so I'll probably say more than likely, probably not. But it, they did be, you know, very everybody, everywhere they went. They were super recognizable, I guess, to everybody who knew them. That. Everybody. <laughs> like, everybody. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if that's realistic. Because I think about, so I don't know why, but over the last year, I've spotted a lot of celebrities at the airport. And like, these are faces that I know. And it happened so quickly that I don't even have a chance to react. And it's just more like a, I think that was so-and-so. Mm-hmm, and you just mm-hmm. kind of move on with your life. Mm-hmm. So like for like a random person that I've seen their picture on the news, maybe once or twice versus like, so I saw Marlon Wayans a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. and it was just like, huh. And that's all I said. I pointed at his face and said, huh. Like yeah. it was just like, but I, I know his face. So I'm not sure that I would ever recognize them like the way that they were just so recognizable to every damn body. Yeah. 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 Now that, that probably wasn't super realistic, but I, I can see why they were trying to do that. If they're going with that underground railroad type of theme. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One scene I was wondering about, like, why was this scene there? Like the, when they hit, uh, hit, yeah, spoilers, y'all. Yeah. But this movie done been out long enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they, when the guy got hit and they had to take him to the hospital, and he was talking so crazy to his son. Yeah. What was the point of that scene? Like, how did that move the movie forward at all? I think I thought about that too. I think the main, the 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 only point of that was Queen and Slim's first introduction to people recognizing them. Um, cause I okay. think they were on the run and they did before that they didn't know cause they were trying to be, you know, incognito. That's why they were trying to get the kid to buy it for them. Cause they didn't want to be seen, you know, and she was trying to be clever. Mm-hmm. And then that was their first time. Like, no, I know you, you know what I'm saying? You ain't hiding, you ain't slick. And, yeah. uh, I think that's, that was like everyone's first introduction to like, you know, people are recognizing you, but they're not trying to lock you up immediately right or at least back okay um, okay okay because i was so confused i'm like i don't even get the purpose of this yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah actually the one scene that i didn't really get the purpose of is when um when he went in to rob uh, get money from the the gas station or whatever uh to get gas in the tank and then like he gave the gun to the white dude and the white dude pointed at him and then like gave it back and i'm like what what is the purpose of this one you know, um, yeah. I, I still don't really know. Like, was it just too deep for me to fathom? Was it just there? Like, like why would you do? Like, why would you give him your gun? And then, and then he knows. I don't know. I just thought that was weird, man. Like, I can't. I still don't understand that one. So I think for me, it. I can't. It was like that. It wasn't Slim's character to even be going in to try to stick up a place. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what I got. Cause even the white dude called him out, like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. This, this ain't you. But now giving him the gun, I. Maybe it's just like a similar, like he was giving away his power in that moment. Maybe he, so. He Cause that was, that was what kept him in power, right? And, and kept him in control. Yeah. And he just willingly gave that away. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which I'm just like, yo, that's just wild to me. Uh, like, even dude, if you're never going to really pull a trigger, I'm just not going to give you this so you can point it at me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, that that was weird. Now, I have a question. hmm If you knew there was a bounty on their head, mm-hmm. 250 a pop, Yeah. would you snitch? 
Would I snitch? Uh... You know, I'm not even, you know what? That's a loaded question. Would you report them? Snitch is such a loaded word. Would you report them? I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of money, right? It's not no, it's not no chump change. Um, But it seems, I would say this, I would say this for me personally, it might've had to been where, how early it was in the process mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like if it came to me late where, where it seems like it's already like a movement and they're gaining a lot of support and people are like really moving, then no, I wouldn't have, right? But mm-hmm. if I was one of those first stops and nobody knew and they talking about a quarter million, I probably got that quarter million. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, yo. Actually, it would have been a half for both because it was two. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so it would have been a half for um, yeah, because that's a lot of money, half a million dollars. Uh, but yeah, if I feel like it's like a bigger than, you know, a story that's bigger than like what's just, just like a crime being committed, uh, then yeah, I wouldn't nah, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because then it, yeah, it couldn't do it. Um, how you feel? You Would you have done it? Um, Definitely not when it had, because they had become a symbol of something yeah. way bigger. Yeah. And I... I you do not want to be that person in the black community. If somebody <laughs> found out it was you, you don't want to be that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it that went beyond like a... Because there was a debate, like especially when they put the video out, which was unrealistic. They wouldn't have released that video that soon. Yeah. But you see the video, you see how it happens. It's not cut and dry. It's not like they just murdered a police. Like, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. get what I'm saying? Yeah. Knowing the circumstances around it, how that police officer had killed somebody else, like earlier, it was kind of like I could. Oh, that see is true too. Yeah, 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 yeah. How people just would would not be supportive of them. Get it? Like they would not be calling them like cop killers in the traditional sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I could see that. I mean, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily like a yeah a crime. Like he went out there and they were trying to do something. It was like. Uh, uh, a weird coincidence of events. Um, yeah. And that cop was bugging. Yeah. Bugging out. He was bugging. Uh, but, you know, I think, uh, I think, yeah, Queen of Slam, I think um, to me that that scene at the end when the dude did turn him in, the black dude, mm-hmm. um, I felt that to me that was what kind of re- one of the scenes that resonated with the most. Um, that and the scene with the kid at the at the protest. Yeah. Um, yeah. But first, yeah, the scene when the guy turned him because it was like, Yo, like it's that whole that whole adage, like uh, of, of like it, it be your own. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, and he knew it was at stake, and you felt like probably almost out of all the characters, you really uh, were like, oh, you can really trust this one, right? He ain't. It seemed like he wasn't about that. You know, he was gonna help you all out. He's just gonna do it. Um, and then he wind up being the one at the very last to to turn him in and got that money. Uh, so I thought that was that was t- and and I think it has this weird. Not weird, but this extra conversation of capitalism and how racism intertwine, right? Like uh-huh. to him, it was like because I mean he lived in the trailer and all that kind of stuff, and those systemic issues were more of value to him than overcoming racial, you know, issues. Uh, it was like, no, I'm trying to overcome my my financial issues first, and then maybe worry about the racial issues if that was even a concern. But it was definitely the money first for him, outside of race. And I think that's a real conversation, right? Um, even when I have conversations with a lot of guys, sometimes like, yeah, you know, that whole racism stuff, I, I ain't got time to worry about that right now. I got, you know, I'm trying to eat. I'm trying to figure out how I get money. And that's and that's realistic, right? Um, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's a privilege to be able to have certain kind of more, 
I don't want to say abstract concerns, but concerns that really when you're good and your other needs are met, you can really go out and really tackle racism, if you will. Right. Uh, yeah. It's a luxury. And so I think that kind of showed that. Um, and it definitely was a luxury. Think about the the white couple. Look at their house. Look at where they lived. It really was a luxury. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it could pay off their mortgage, but, you know, they're going to be fine regardless. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. But I will say I became suspicious of the the black guy that turned him in mm-hmm. when he was like, y'all want to hit this blood. I was like, uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> so I ain't right about this. That, what, what about that made you suspicious? It was just like, it was like he, he it was like he just knew what was it like, you know, go ahead. Y'all might want to do that. It was just like, so it was like foreshadowing to me, like, dude, y'all gonna need this blood. Like, you know, that's just kind of how I see it. You can think about it like, oh, you know, the lady telling him like, you need the drink. But it that was like a different vibe. She told them they would say, but it was just kind of like, dude, you, you might as well hit this blood. Like, cause it it just seemed like, okay, you about to go out. I'm like, "Mm, something don't feel right about this. Something don't feel right about this. Yeah. But my, so me and my friend, we were debating, do you think that guy was the actual connect from the white couple or do you think he just stumbled across them and led them like, cause I, I really want to re-see that scene now. Cause she was like, actually, he didn't really say much. Like they started like saying things to him to where he could just kind of fill in the gaps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and I was like, okay, I need to re-see that. So like, was he the actual connect or did he just stumble on them and let them give leading information to be like, yeah, I'm him. How you know, how you know them? I just know him. I just know him. Yeah. So that's what I was trying to figure out. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I think I think that could be a good observation. Yeah, that's something you have to go. We have to go back and rewatch and see and look at that more closely. I can see that because I thought it was kind of random. You know what I mean? Like I was like, this dude just walking up like this, yeah, <laughs> with, this, with this shotgun and it just. And then yeah, so I think it would. The dialogue would tell us a lot if they're doing most of the talking. Like, hey, this is what we're doing. You're this dude. This so he just like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I'm sure again, everybody knows who they are, mm-hmm. and he knows about the money. So he probably was just being real. If that is the case, being real slick and just saying, all right. Um, I'm about to get this money, um, <laughs> which again is, is says a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see. I would, that's something I would when I rewatch it. I would I check out more closely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how you feel about the scene with with the kid shooting the cop? I was just like, that was another scene where I was just like, why? Mm-hmm. Like I, I just I didn't get it. Yeah. I, it was like I. I knew it was used to move the plot forward. I probably would have wrote that to where the little kid didn't back down. You know, he got taken in and somehow Mm -hmm. it was revealed that like they had stopped by the dad's shop. Like I I knew the kid was going to be used in some way to reveal the information that they were in this type of car. But I didn't think it was going to be that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that that scene. um just has so much nuance in it. I think um, on one instance, it's it's uh, because the, the creators of the show really stemmed a lot from even the beginnings with it being in Ohio, Cleveland, like Tamir Rice. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like the, the, the director went to like where Tamir Rice was shot at, 
got to see him, went to the block where he lived. Even the the white car I read that he got stopped in were like she's seen white cars, the very similar white cars on that same street. It was like a common car on that block. Um, and so I think a lot of the symbolism has to do with, you know, what we've seen happen with someone like uh, Tamir Rice and then, you know, black, young black kids getting shot by police. And this was like, this is what it looks like when it's reversed, right? When that young mm-hmm. black kid has had enough. Um, but the fact of it being a black police officer makes yeah. it speak to the institution of policing, right? Um, the black man was trying, you know, he, he was being reasonable with the kid. Like, come on, kid. Yeah, like, he yo, was. Get yeah. out, you know what I'm saying? But it's showing that even the inst- you can't be at your, you can't be saved because of what your colleagues are doing, right? The institution of policing. Um, and so when that black kid saw this officer, he didn't see this person. He didn't see another black man. All he saw was the institution of like what has destroyed kids that look like me, what has destroyed Queen and Slim, and I'm taking this institution out. Um, and I think that speaks volumes as far as uh, how we try to perceive policing in this Blue Lives Matter um, and even how it makes it difficult, very difficult for black people in this blue and in the blue and this blue uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think they are in there and they try, most of them, a good chunk of them, I would assume, would try to understand and do it for the right reasons. <clears throat> but you still represent an institution that most people don't see once you have that uniform in, right? Um, don't see you, they still see that institution. Um, and he wound up being, you know, a victim of that institution and not a white man, right? Uh, so I think it's a lot just in that scene. It was very, uh, um, I guess, explosive and and devastating in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. I, I wasn't, I didn't think it was going to end that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't either. <laughs> I, like I said, I knew he was going to get caught up. Yeah. I did not think it was going to be that way. Yeah. But I um, knew they were going to use him to move the plot forward, but that was just like shocking. Yeah. Like there were so many times I just grabbed my face or I grabbed my chair like, "Oh my goodness." Like, wow, yeah. did that really just happen? Um, what do you think about the 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 Savannah cop? Um oh, or that, that that Georgia cop that that let him let him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, again, um, and it's funny they named him Langston too. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if people caught that. It's like you know, I think that was intentional of like Langston Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think, I think that's uh, again symbolism of a uh, black officer one working in this kind of oppressive system. And even how the white cop was treating him and talking to him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then so it's like when he had the opportunity, he tried to help his own out. Right. Yeah. Um, and just like I said, even at the riot, he was trying to help the, the young kid out. Like, come on, kid, get out of here. You know? Um, and so I think this is the kind of irony of the film of like the black officers supporting the movement, if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and and then somebody, you know, from the hood, right? Who, who again, that don't snitch mentality where you think you would come from was the one that actually turned them in. Yeah. So I feel like the irony of, <laughs> of black folks and and the, the monolithic and changing the narrative on some of these things was important, right? Because uh, yeah. I don't think there's any scene where you see a you see what happened with the white officer in the beginning, which was clear, but the black officers really were were not, you know, out to get our own. And I think there's a lot of truth to that too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I won't lie. When I was in high school. I, you know, I like to bug the system a little bit or I like to challenge ideas. Uh-huh. And so we had a school resource officer. He was a black uh, man. And I think I heard him say something to like a black male student. And something just made me ask him. I'm like, 
if if it was your family member and like they had we would you arrest them like would you do that mm-hmm. and you know he was just like you know probably not he was honest probably not and i was just like well you know think about like how you're he and i don't think he was treat like looking back i don't think he was treating them real bad but he yeah. just kind of got on the case but i was just like you know that's hypocritical <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh, my God. oh, that's so funny. But funny. I, to be honest, I do feel like one cops with their own family, you know, is mm-hmm. yeah. is not going to play out like that anyway. Yeah. But I do think police officer like black police officers in general, unless they just complete assholes, douchebags, they don't necessarily want to you know see black folk like handcuffed and like you know yeah like they want to offer those chances or figure out like an alternate like if they have a choice or if they have a chance that i think they would like to find like alternative routes but Mm -hmm. you know it's also their job so if they're placed in between a rock and a hard place they're probably going to have to do what their job requires yeah yeah yeah, it's true. And like I said, even in that scene, you know, the white officer was treating the black officer like crap. Mm-hmm. And so it's so like so that you can see the the racist uh, racism still play in within the police force. And so again, I think the the ideas of racism being the overarching theme and, and that can unite folks, right, in this cause of like the corrupt police officer who got shot and then the other officers understanding that, yo, that one that officer was bad. The one how these second, how these officers treat me as a black officer, and now when I had this opportunity. You think I'm just gonna help you out, you know? Uh no, nah, I'm gonna help my own out. So yeah. you know, so it is that the idea of, of you know being in there for helping helping each other out uh with the greater causes, no matter where you are and what positions you are, you can still help a movement, right? Or help move uh conversations forward. Yeah. And you don't always gotta be the one to you know, to 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 me, it's just like make white folks do their job, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, y'all want them so bad, y'all you catch them, but I'm you, not gonna be the ca- one. You catch them, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Do your job. But yeah, like you said, I hadn't thought about that. It is funny that the one person that turned them in would be the one person you would expect to live by the code of the streets. Live by the code of the streets. Yep, yep. Um, so I thought that was clever, clever on there. And um, but yeah, you know, Queen is slim. Um, overall, good movie. Uh, to me, I, to me, I thought it was just a little overhyped uh, going into it. You know, yeah. um, from what I saw on social media, like, "Yo, it's the greatest movie!" Like, so deep, so many things. I'm like, it was, oh, yeah. it was, it was good. It was good. It kept I would me entertained. Advise, it kept me entertained. I was, I did not leave the theater mad that I saw it. You know, um, I the only gripe I had was just the pace. I was like, yo, can we just move a little faster? I see yeah. a little more action. I thought it was going to be a little more because, like, I feel like, yo, if you're on a run, it's like. You on the run, it's gonna be a little more faster pace, but um but overall good film. And I advise everybody yeah. to go check it out for sure if you haven't yet. Yeah. Um, but there there were so many moments I'm like, y'all tripping right now if you wanna run. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah. It was irritating a little bit. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They was doing a little too much, uh yeah, being on the run. And I think um also the character of her uncle mm-hmm. was interesting, um, as well. Uh of just again providing a little nuance to that type of character, right? A dude who um, seems to be misogynistic in a lot of ways, but the women also being there with him and kind of saying why they are there with him 
and and how they feed off of each other, mm-hmm. you know, what they get from him and what he gets from them. Um, you know, I think that was also interesting yeah. conversation and you know, nuance to have. And I don't know if you watch Pose, but the actress, the trans actress from mm-hmm. Pose, she was the one with the curly hair. I didn't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. I don't even know. I, I only watch a couple episodes of Pose. Everybody keep talking about I'm going to get into it eventually, probably during the mm-hmm. break. Everybody say it's a really good show. This is my one last question about this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think the one that turned him in... Like, I was like, why did they have to do this big show? Like, okay, you got to drive them an hour away to the, like, what's with the show when they could have just busted into the guy's house? Do you think it was because, of course, he wanted to protect himself against, like, being the snit? Like, okay, they come to your house and bust in the door versus if Mm -hmm. you do this, you can kind of keep it quiet. Like, why do you think they had to make that spectacle? Yeah, I think um, as far as, like, why the police didn't go into his place. You saying? Mm-hmm. Why they didn't mm-hmm. go to the trailer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably because it was an agreement that he probably he, he had, right? The police are going to set you up or strategize in a way that uh, makes the person feel comfortable to get him, right? And uh, what's better than taking him to that place? But also, yeah, like it was far away. So he don't have to be, he, he dropped him off and he dipped immediately. Mm-hmm. He was nowhere in the sign. So I think he didn't want to be seen. Um, and didn't want nobody to know. And he, and you know, in this day, you you know, right? He know what was going to happen mm-hmm. if he was caught of being the one that did it, especially this late in the game with the movement and you're on their last leg. Uh, he, there's nowhere you can go, um, you know, no amount of money that's going to save you. Um, so he wanted to keep that under wraps. So I think that going along with your friend's um, theory, I think he probably wasn't the connect. Uh, yeah, and I think I think it was just like oh, I'm about to get this money, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's it. and go back on my way. Five hundred thousand yeah. like, dollars. that's it. His life is completely changed now. With that. Yeah. So yeah, good movie, good symbolism. Check it out if y'all haven't. Um, and you know, hopefully this deep dive, you know, hopefully maybe added some, you know, extra insights to to maybe some thoughts you've had and. All that kind of good stuff. Anything else on the docket? I think that covered yeah. mostly everything I had. Yeah, that covers everything I had. Um, okay, okay. Maybe next week we can talk. We'll talk about um, uh, since the season finale of Watchmen comes on. Oh yeah, that'll be good to talk about week, that. Yeah, um, <clears throat> we'll talk about that next week. Uh, cause, uh, interested to see how this this ends. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, all right, all right. Good conversation, nonetheless. Um, we will probably the debates will be this week, so of course we won't have it on this episode, but we'll we'll, we'll talk about some of that um, next week's episode and, and other things too. Yeah. Um, outside of that, if you haven't yet, follow us on social media: uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast is our social media handle. Keep up with all our latest content on blackandhighlydangerous.com. You can also email us at bhdpodcast at gmail.com. Any ideas, guest ideas, comments, questions, whatever it is, hit us up. We'd love to hear from you all. And after you do, do that, go ahead, review and rate us on iTunes. If you haven't done that yet, that really, really, really helps us out. And then go ahead, share us with your friends, share us with your family, and share us with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. 
And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.